different um, pillars um, on, a, on a more larger scale. So today, um, I just would love for you guys to make it very personal. Um, it's not going to be interview based. And like Peter said, feel free to raise your hand at any time. And I'm just going to ask questions. So I just want us to flow in conversation. I don't want it to feel like an interview. So in most cases, a certain question appeals to more than one person. And sometimes a question appeals to only one person. So if you um, find yourself in a space where maybe Sandy says something and it reminds you of something, please do raise your hand and just add on to that. So I just want us to enjoy ourselves and be as honest as possible and just have a lovely time, you know. And with that being said, thank you again, again, again. And yes, let's begin. And I'm going to start with us letting each other know who is who and what they want to tell us about themselves. So let's just do that. Anyone who wants to go first can go first or I will handpick somebody. <laughs> so um, actually, let me handpick someone. Let's start off with Morgan. Let's go. <laughs> Hi everybody. So I'm Morgan. I worked with Pete many years ago. So that was the reason why I was, I suppose, contacted and requested or asked very nicely to join. And I'm really flattered and honored to be a part of this. I'm looking forward to hearing about all of you and your stories and your experiences. And I hope that we'll learn a lot from each other. I am a 30 year old woman. I'm a mom to a daughter who's turning 13 and I'm a very uh, career focused individual and yeah, God is number one in my life, I suppose. So that's me in a nutshell. Thank you so much, Morgan. And we're going to have Naomi. Hi, um, my name is actually Noemi, pronounced Noemi. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am 27 soon, turning 27 in the next month. Um, I got this invitation through a friend of mine called Ria who connected me with Peter and then Peter was kind enough to invite me to this, um, today's session, which I'm super honored to be a part of. I am a Canada attorney at a law firm in Joburg, and I'm also a, the founder and director of a platform called For Women in Law. It's basically just a, a platform that is focused on telling stories about women in law whether they're still students or already practicing. And yeah, I do various things with my platform that has to do with just uplifting women and so on. And yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I'm all about women. I'm all about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, experiencing life through a woman's view and learning about women's experiences and so on. So super excited to be here. Thank you so much, girl. And we are going to have Sandy. Hi, everybody. I am Sandy Siwe, but then most people struggle with my name. So it's been Sandy since grade eight. <laughs> so <laughs> I am an honor student doing developmental studies. And uh, funny enough, I am doing something that is totally opposite of a woman. I am busy with the research that is talking about gender-based violence against men. I am a mother to an uh, 18 month year old. And yeah, that's basically me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sandy. And the next up is Piwe. Uh, good morning, ladies. I hope you can hear me. Okay. So my name is Piwe Mwabe. I connected with Peter because of my little sister. Uh, she's a booktube 
a booktuber, right? So I amplify the voices of women and children on my platform called Wuhlali Hub Africa. I am a storyteller, I'm a writer, I'm a blogger. I focus on women leadership and female entrepreneurship in Africa. I'm a seasoned, seasoned Pan-Africanist who believes um, women uh, need to share their stories uh, so that we can liberate the rest of Africa. Thank you so much. And we have Ria up next. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Ria Betrimwaki, I'm 25. I am currently unemployed, but working on it. I have a group where I opened up for women and men who have been abused mentally, physically, sexually, and um, they just share their stories and I try by all means to help them find social workers, if they want to open cases, lawyers, pre bono, and that's basically me. I'm a bubbly person. I love laughing, talking. So yeah, that's basically me in a nutshell. Thank you so much, Ria and Annalise. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yes, you got it right. Um, <laughs> thank you. People always butcher my name. Um, okay, so I'm Annalise Morgan. I'm 23 years old, and I am a teacher currently teaching high school. I'm an English um, specialist, so I specialize just in English and history at the moment. Um, I am for EdTech. I am very passionate about EdTech, and that's the space that I'm currently in right now. And I graduated from the Open Leadership Academy in 2015. Very strong um, leadership beliefs, very strong belief in female leadership and actually having women in uh, you know, environments where they sit where the decisions are being made. Um, so that's what I'm passionate about. I'm currently working with teenagers in my community as well, um, just trying to, to make a difference and encourage everyone to find themselves, find their leadership towards to make a difference more. Thank you so much, Annalise. Um, I think your mic is a bit low, or maybe I can't make out some stuff, but I think your mic is a bit low. So um, also, you can please check that for me, please. Okay, I'm gonna try that. Can you hear me now? Yes, I think it's, yeah, it's better now. It's better now. Okay. Um, so thank you so much, ladies. So as you can see, um, I think we all have different backgrounds, you know? Based on um, what you like, your introductions are all about. We can tell that we don't have the same stories, and like you have maybe realized in the poster, it's about her story. So, given that, I just want to start off with um, when you understand womanhood. I mean, like growing up from being a child right through to a point that we're at right now. I need some ladies to highlight goodness that comes into mind when they think of their transition from childhood to womanhood, and also some women who are also going to give me um, the bad side of what they have seen through their transition through childhood to womanhood. So I'm going to handpick. And then also that we can flow from that. So if something, um, you're reminded of something based on what another lady said, you can please raise your hand. So I'm gonna start with Sandy. Yes, transition from childhood to womanhood. In essence, what? What can you say encapsulates that? What first comes to mind? I can attribute it to myself. It, it talks about growth because I have seen how I have grown personally. 
I, well, with you guys who have been in high school with me, I was always a, an inviting person, but then I was never out there. I never put myself out there. So I was always closed up. I used to protect myself. And then I realized um, in a couple of years back that I was only limiting myself. I was only limiting my growth. So I, I learned to put myself out there and to grow. That way I can be able to be the best that I can be at the same time being a good influence to everybody that is also around me. Perfect, Sandy. And I see that Rhea wants to um, add on to what you're saying. So Rhea? Um, adding on to what uh, Sandy said, right, about being closed. I've always been one person who's out there and for me, my growth was in terms of I had to stop being kind to certain situations because they were bringing bad energy into my life. So I had to stop being this kind, Rhea. And it's not in my nature, but certain circumstances just push you to the limit where you just have to be like, I have to be selfish with myself in terms for me to grow into a better person. So, yeah, I just wanted to add on that. All right. So those experiences that pushed you into a corner, um, what would you say uh, those experiences entail? For me, it had to be in terms of family. I had to. OK, I don't want to cry. I'm such a crybaby, guys. <laughs> anyway, I didn't. I had to push away certain family members, uh, most especially my parents because of like um, the treatment I was getting in terms of my rape ordeals and them just saying certain things like what were you wearing like you know like it's very hard for a person and your mother especially to be like what were you wearing for that person to look at you in in that way or to touch you in that way and it's like if I am a mother First instinct, I believe my child over everything and anything you get. So I feel I had to push away certain people in order for me to start my healing process. So, yeah. I can tell that um, based on you and always know that it's a safe space. Um, you can cry if you want to. So it is important that we note that um, family dynamics also play a huge role in um the upbringing that we have. And it's so unfortunate that um, on most occasions, people expect that just because family is present, there will be goodness from like our transition from childhood into adulthood. And I want, um, Sandy, I see you raised your hand. Oh, yes. There's something that Rhea said um, in terms of what happened to her, which is unfortunate with her mom saying what she was wearing. I remember I had like, a very serious argument with my grandmother, whereas my cousin was just sitting on the couch and she was she was looking at her and she said, what is it that you're wearing? Do you know that is the reason why men are going to rape you? And then I was so livid that, oh my gosh, how can you as a woman say that to a 16 year old? How do you expect her to to grow up to be a woman that she is supposed to be, or how do you expect her self-esteem to be like? Mind you, she also had a towel that was covering up herself and she was able to say that to her and that really triggered something in me. And even today, it's very hard for me to forget about. 
I feel that one on a personal level too. But before I, I engage on that, I see that Noemi wants to add on. So I hope I pronounced your name right, Sudan. Oh, um, hi. Yeah, it is Noemi. Um, just to touch on what Sandy and Ria Betwe uh, were talking about, um, you know, being blamed for certain violations that happen to you uh, in the hand, hands of men. I think just the journey into womanhood also, you know, after having been also violated in different ways by men around me, um, growing up has come with being able to extend grace to myself, knowing that it was never your fault, knowing that there was, you know, um, you could be walking around here naked and nobody has the right to touch you. And, you know, people are gonna violate you despite whether, irregardless of what you do. And so just extending the grace to yourself and knowing that it was not your fault, you know, um, there's nothing that you, had you done anything? Because I mean, when I think about the time when I was violated, it might've been a bit different and a, a violation is violation. I'm not gonna try and um, minimize it, but I was what, 14, I was fully clothed, clothed and I was still violated. So I never spoke about it up until I think a few years ago because I did carry the shame back then. But growing up now, I realized I didn't do anything wrong. Was I nice to the guy, you know, prior to the incident? Yeah, but that's that had nothing to do with, you know, me. Um, it, it wasn't an invitation for him to do whatever he did to me. And so for me growing up and for me uh, transitioning into my womanhood has been about being confident. And that confidence comes with extending grace to myself, grace to uh, forgiving myself for having blamed myself in the past and understanding that, when somebody does something like that to you, it is not your fault. So just, it, it has a lot to do with grace, being graceful with myself, extending as much grace as I need to extend myself at every point of my life. And yeah, and I'm so sorry that that happened to you, Ria. Uh, Thank you so much. And you know, like it's unfortunate that um, even though we can realize that in society, especially when women share these stories of, you know, sexual violence, we can see that um, the situations were different. Outfits were different. And I remember this time when we were at a protest in Pretoria and there were various women in conversation and we had that conversation surrounding um, sexual violence and they gave out their stories. And there were so many different stories from husbands right through to church leaders, like even in the midst of maxi dresses. So I just hope that society um, as a whole just steps away from the fact that it has nothing to do with clothing. It has nothing to do with the victim and everything to do with the perpetrator. And I see that Annalise raised her hand, please come through. Um, so just as everyone is speaking, I'm listening to you know, the, the, the similarities in terms of the journeys that we were traveling. And I think one of the biggest things that has happened for me in terms of my transition from being a young girl coming into womanhood, um, and it's, I mean, it's an ongoing process, one that I'm still also figuring out. One of the things that comes in is the dealing with trauma. So there's so much trauma that comes from being young. There's so much um, trauma that comes from incidents that happened to us when we were younger, that we had to carry the shame of, that we had to hide, that we could not necessarily share because of the way in which society saw us or the way in which we'd be perceived. So I think 
we, we, one of the things that has happened for me is that I'm starting to define my story outside of my trauma. So my trauma is not my story. Yes, it's a sad story, but that's just my story. And it's just a part of, of my story and it's part of me becoming. And I think the ability to be able to own that part of your story, that's a painful part, um, is it's, it's such a, it's a strong thing to have. It's such a beautiful thing to have, to have that, that knowledge that, you know what, something happened to me but it does not define everything else. It does not define who I am. It does not define what I become. And I think that's one of the most beautiful processes of becoming and transitioning from being a young girl into womanhood is, is understanding who we are as women and the things that make up um, our stories and who we are. Thank you so much, Annelise. And I would like Piwe to also add on to to this part that we are talking about. And even if you want to like share how you deal with shame it doesn't have to go to an extent of um sexual violence whether it's like um being shamed in any any way that you've experienced i would like to know how you dealt with that because i believe that one thing that we have in common as women there is some some shame that goes into our transition from childhood to um adulthood so please share with us um, I'm just taking in all of this. As a storyteller, it's always very interesting for me to just sit back and listen what women have to say. So before I say something, I just want to, you know, I just want to say I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize to, to these ladies for experience, experiencing such traumatic encounters. I can only imagine. And, you know, being believed is, is something else. So my, my understanding of womanhood into tr um, transitioning is culture. We, you know, we were brought up in a certain way. Uh, we were oppressed, I call it, because my interpretation of culture and tradition comes with the form of oppression. So there were, there were these, you cannot, you, you cannot dress a certain way, you cannot go wherever, you cannot associate with whoever. So that for me was something that really baffled me for a very long time until I got got into adulthood where you need to start unlearning this oppression, which is what as women we're doing in society right now. We need to unlearn what we were told in our spaces that it's 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 not how you dressed. No, it's you are not supposed to be raping women in the first place. You have no business. You have no business to to be looking at women in a lustful, you know, in a lustful way. So I my transition in is it's based from a, a point of unlearning certain cultural practices and traditions that we were taught growing up and it's not easy you know I, I got to a point in my life I thought um, being a young person everybody is liberated um, everybody is informed but it, it triggered it triggers me sometimes when I have conversations with young people that bring up, you know, that, that are homophobic or, you know, I get triggered like, oh, okay. So you, you, you went to school, uh, you're liberated, you're taking in this information, but you, you still make homophobic remarks or you still say things like, uh, like, you know, it's that, oh, okay, where, where does this come from? So that's that my transition mostly comes from the unlearning process. It's not an easy process, but it's very necessary. Thank you so much, Piwa. And to flow in with that is going to be Morgan. So, you know, like when we're growing up, um, as much as we come from good homes or broken homes, there's always something that you see, well, if it's at home or surrounding you, there 
like as a child, you just like, this is one thing that I want to change when I grow up, like immediately, you know, when you just see things, you see like how Pia said um, about the dress code, because I know also it took a while for my mom to, to actually understand that it has nothing to do with clothing, because at some point when I wore shorts around men, she'd be like, yo, whoa, um, calm down. But then eventually as time progressed, she just let me be, you know, and right now she's mm-hmm. just like, you know, uh, you have a point. And I knew from from that day that that's something that I want to change inside my family, the whole dress code thing. So as you were growing up, there's so many um heightened things that just trigger you like I want this to change. So in your transition from childhood to womanhood, what were those things? What first comes to mind when you were a child right through to now? Wow. So, I mean, I'm just firstly blown away by everyone's stories and what they're sharing. I just, before I answer that particular question, my mind is really running ahead of me because I'm thinking, you know, what was that pinnacle point where I felt myself transition from childhood to adulthood? And I think that it's so difficult. I felt pregnant at 17 and I had my daughter in matric and I felt that really pushed me into embracing my womanhood and, um, you know, maturing a lot. And I was a lot further along in my journey in relation to some of my friends. Um, I think that this experience, it forced me to grow up a lot, but in doing so, I lost myself and I became a mom. And then I was in this hectic relationship and I got married and divorced. And only at the age of 27 did I really start feeling like I was coming into my own. So I just wanted to share that um then just from an upbringing point of view the things that I I think from my side that I would like to change is I want my daughter to feel that she has the confidence to go out there and conquer whatever it is that she wants I felt like throughout my upbringing and it was unintentional from my family or my parents there was always this limiting uh belief or kind of ceiling put on you and to me women are so strong. We're so amazing. We can accomplish so much. And it's all about uplifting and encouraging each other. And I would love to make sure that my daughter knows that she can do that. And I also hope that I can instill that in the other women that I interact with. So yeah, that's, I think something that comes to mind immediately when you ask that question. Thank you so much. And I love how you flowed with it. And it's so, it's so shocking how, um, you can start finding yourself at 27, you know. So I'm going to move to Sandy because I know that she um, also loves her daughter a lot. And I wanted her to to flow in with you. So, Sandy. Oh, yeah. Being uh, my daughter. <laughs> uh, um, she's a ball of energy and I always say I blame myself for that because I I was always known for having too much energy I felt like I needed to be on some medication to calm myself down or something but yes um I love my daughter so much and one thing that I want to teach her is to never keep quiet to to don't shut yourself down. I remember there was a time in, in high school, um, I'm sure Mbali and Rhea will remember if you were taught by Mr. McDonald, he had like specific things that he required from you in, in class. And in my report, once upon a time, he wrote that I am too closed off. And then I needed to interact with other students. And then I took that and ran with it. 
And then at some point, my math teacher was like, no, you need to come down. This is too much. So I had that thing that, okay, what is it that you guys want from me? So I had to learn that, okay, as much as he said that and she said that, it's all about what I say. And I want to teach my daughter that whatever she says is valid. She has to go with whatever she says and whatever she believes it. And she has to stand with that. Because if you don't stand with it, nobody else is going to stand up for you. So you need to be out there for yourself and you need to start very young. It is so unfortunate that some of us realized in our old age, I could put it, that you need to stand out for yourself. I remember I used to let so many things pass me through because I was like, I don't want somebody to feel the pain that I'm feeling. But then I didn't realize that I'm killing myself. So it is important that you need to speak out and, and stand for what you believe in. Thank you so much, Sandy. And I feel like also um, one thing also in common that we have as women while we transition in transitioning is the fact that um, we find ourselves compromising ourselves. We do that so much. And I don't know if it's because society expects that from us. Cause I mean, like people go into a shock when people, I mean, when women start putting themselves first, like, okay, fine. I don't want this. Um, I'm going to just do be right now. It's like, Whoa, what do you even mean? And I see um, Sejeng raised her hand. Um, please. You can flow in with Sandy. Hi. <laughs> Hi everyone. Um, I didn't even get a chance to like uh, um, introduce myself, but yeah, I'm a teacher. Um, I'm also an aspiring data scientist. I'm also a model. Um, and yeah, to just start off my um, two cents. <laughs> um, I think your story is guys. Um, I'm so um inspired by how strong you guys are just to put that out there um and to add to my experience um in the relationship side of things um i've always i've always felt like i needed to do things um to make another or my partner happy and um now as you're speaking about women always trying to lower the standard or uh, putting down what they want for themselves for somebody else. Um, I always found doing myself doing that for a partner. And when it was time for me to then decide, okay, no, um, I don't want to. Sorry, I'm sorry to disturb you, Sejeng. Um, your mic is a bit low. So can you speak up? Can you, can you hear? Can you hear me now? Um, it's sounding a bit better. Okay. Yeah, so please okay. like speak up. Thank you. Speak up. Okay. All right. Um, sorry about that. Um, as I was saying, um, I'd always do things uh, to make the other person happy and never to do things for my own happiness. Um, an example is if I decide I don't want to um, sleep with that person anymore or I don't want to sleep with the person at all um, it then becomes a, a, a break or a, a breaking point for that person to say okay you're not you're no longer doing this thing that makes me happy or you don't want to do the thing that I think would make me happy so 
it then changes the whole relationship. And I, sure, you go through life thinking, I have to please people. And that is a bad mindset for me. Um, if someone cares about you, it's important that um, they do understand what it is that makes you you and cares for that, you know? Um, yeah, I just, I just feel like um, in a lot of ways, especially in relationships, when you speak about, um, you know, when you guys were speaking about um, just your interactions with males, my experience is that I always put myself down, my own happiness down for the next person. And I think I had to learn that the hard way. And I'm glad I learned not to do that anymore. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Sijeng. And I love how you're actually flowing into what I was going to ask next in line with relationships. But before I do that, I see Noemi raise her hand. Please come through. Hey, I just wanted to touch on, on what Morgan and I think it was Sandy were speaking on. Uh, Morgan said something about rediscovering, um, you know, how, like getting into her womanhood at 27. And Sandy spoke about being labeled um, as she was growing up. And I just realized, and I, well, I've always known this, but as a woman, first of all, the transition, the, the rediscovering of yourself, it, it never stops. You can do that at 18. It can happen at 30. It's, it's a continuous journey. And I'm thankful for it because it's, you know, when you know better, you do better. That's the hope. And uh, what Sandy said about, you know, one of her teachers saying she was too closed off, the other saying she was too open, she needs to calm down. It's so relevant as a, as women, we are constantly being labeled, um, constantly being torn apart. And there's always something that you need to do when you are a certain age, do you have a child? Are you, are you married? Do you have a job? There's always something that is, you know, placed on us. And I'm so here for the, you know, women today who are learning to choose their own path and not necessarily living their lives according to what society says they should live it. And I'm here for women who are choosing, you know, not just getting into relationships or marriages because society says that's what is required of them, not just having babies because society says we need to have babies. I'm here for women who are choosing their own path. And also, it's an obviously, like freedom of choice, whether that is a path you want, right. But my point is, I'm here for women who are learning to be a bit more selfish. And I know that as women, we, you know, we, we, we aim to please most of the time. You know, it's usually about, you know, the, the partner, the kids. It's always about uh, trying to put, you know, our loved ones before us. But I'm here for the movement that allows us to put ourselves first before everybody else, no matter how selfish it sounds sometimes. It's necessary. Yeah. And I second that because I also always say that there's a difference between sacrifice and compromise. And in most cases, women sacrifice themselves because with compromise, you meet me halfway and with sacrifice, I lose myself for you. So in most cases, women find themselves sacrificing themselves, you know, for someone else. And like what you say, I'm also here for women who just put themselves at the forefront, whether you're 30 with a child 
or you are 17 and you don't want a child it's just brilliant and i think we are living in those times but we can only live in those times um if we rediscover ourselves like you ladies have been saying and you can rediscover yourself at any period because i just recently also rediscovered myself and that is like through the help of another person you know this is my time right now where i feel like okay i'm finally healing and everything that i'm doing right now i'm doing for myself i'll come back later to lebohang i'm going to take annalise for that question so i know that with relationships we um women often confuse compromise and sacrifice are there um ordeals where you feel like okay in this relationship i really sacrificed myself i sacrificed maybe your values you sacrificed yourself as a whole are there any of those experiences in relationships um yes a woman always goes through the most with relationships <laughs> um i think one of the things that i have discovered when it when it comes to to relationships and i'm so glad that i'm discovering it just as i'm starting to get into relationships that are a bit more serious you know where i'm starting to understand that i'm in relationships for um i want to be in a relationship for the long run not just as you know play play and see where it goes so i'm very happy that i'm discovering it now but i have found myself in in relationships where I, I I put my values second to someone else. So now it's a matter of I will say anything to to convince myself that you know what this person is just doing this because well they do care about me but you know it's something we can get over and now I'm really just putting everything else second to that and the sad thing about um doing all of that is that when you eventually get to a point where you discover that this relationship is not good for you it has taken so so much from you um it's draining it's mentally draining it's physically draining everything in my life now starts to revolve around that i am not kind to everyone else because i've let this relationship rule a very big part of who i am and it's controlling everything that is happening in my life so i think i've really gotten to a point where i'm starting to understand the difference between the the sacrifice and the compromise um so just as you were saying that in my head i'm like this is what i was waiting for someone to put it into words in terms of you know sacrifice versus um compromise and currently i'm actually working through um getting out of of a relationship that was no longer serving me and my purpose as well as my soul so i think discovering that is such a a it's it's a beautiful process but it's also a painful process and understanding that i've got to put myself first is what got me to this point it took me months to to get to a point where i said i need to get out of this in the back of my head i knew when i go to sleep i know and i'm in my head telling myself oh, you've got to find a way to get out you've got to find a way to get out but i keep making excuses for someone else and i keep saying i'm going to stick around he'll get better he'll change this will work out you know we good together when it comes to this so we'll figure that one out as well i keep making excuses and i think um i'm very happy to have discovered that as much as it's painful that that process has also brought me closer to myself i've i've had time to sit down where i just said to myself you know sit cut every everything off and just sit down and be with you and that process is is such a beautiful space to be in because i'm i'm talking to god i'm journaling i am going to gym i'm doing so many things that are serving me and my soul that i'm happy without even you know having to pinpoint at certain things that make me happy so now i'm not saying this person makes me happy or this relationship makes me happy but i'm generally happy in my life because now i understand who i am and i'm i'm dating myself 
if that's a way to put it. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh my goodness. I just feel like you just laid my life on paper right now. Everything you said, I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> the entire time. And I see that Pua raised her hand. And then after Pua, you're going to have Lebo Hang. Um, I, I, I can relate. Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I I was having a conversation yesterday with my younger sister and we were talking about how, um, the, in society, right. The bar is raised so low for men. Right. Um, so you get, um, a man, uh, washing or bathing his kid or taking his kid to school and he's applauded like what? That like that's your child. <laughs> what do you expect? Like, why are we applauding you for washing your kid? Why are we applauding you for doing what you need to do? You are a parent, right? Now, when we when when we talk about uh, sacrificing in, as women, it's it's true. Like you you tend to to sacrifice yourself in a relationship. You put yourself last, and it's. I feel it goes back once again to culture. You know, uh, you, you're told, uh, no, you know, the man is the head, which I don't disagree, but like um, it's, it's how you also view all, all that that comes to play. You, you cannot be uh, sacrificing yourself in the name of losing yourself in the process because, you know, there was a point in my life where I felt like I was losing myself because I'm this feminist uh, woman and, you know, I, I keep on, you know, decreasing myself you know taking myself down because I I want to respect this particular person but then I got to a point where uh uh-uh no no now my view of relationships in society has come to a point where I'm like I'm I'm I prefer going for the secure man versus the insecure man because you 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 need to also be secure in yourself and be comfortable to let me be and let me shine in your presence. Do you get what I mean? That's how I feel you. That's how that's where I am right now. I, you need mm. to be secure so that you can let me be and I can shine in your presence. And there's no competition, there's no sacrifice because I don't want to sacrifice. I feel you so much on that one. And especially because you said um, it's very tough um, being a feminist in a failing relationship because you don't know like <laughs> um, who to tell and who to talk to. And and I love what you said about um, letting a, a woman shine in in that presence, in their presence, because I've seen that a lot of men have that issue of um, not understanding that um, the presence of my strength is not the absence of your own. So that whole issue of um, me being powerful, it doesn't take away your own power. So we're going to have Lebo Hang, because I, I saw that she raised her hand. And then after that, Rhea. Hi, ladies. Um, it's such a pleasure to hear you guys share your stories. Um, my name is Lohang and I am a professional model and I work in auditing. Okay. Um, I think when it comes with, when it comes to a relationship with um, other people um, and how it's um, perhaps um, impacted me, I think for me, it's my relationship with my dreams. Um, growing up, I had a very unique upbringing. Um, I was exposed to a lot of abuse growing up. And so I would read stories about um, women who experienced the same thing. So the trend would usually be that they would experience the abuse and then they would um, 
basically ruin their lives. And then in their 30s, they realize, oh, it wasn't my fault. It was the other person's fault. So I need to um, pursue my dreams and whatever the case is. So then I was like, okay, firstly, I'm not giving up on my <laughs> dreams in any way. So um, everything else comes secondary. Um, and what I didn't realize at the time is that I consciously made a decision that I'm going to numb any emotion that I have. So I would literally work hard towards achieving my dreams and whatever the case is. And so I ignored my emotions. And then now when I got to 23, 24, my emotions were like, girl, <laughs> you know, um, it would come up in my um and certain character flaws that, listen, there are things that you haven't dealt with, so you can't, you know, be on this numbing situation or whatever the case is. Um, so then I started with therapy. And the most difficult thing for me um, with going to therapy has been having to sit down and cry. Um, my, therapist, my therapist would say, listen, <laughs> you have to make time to cry. When you feel sad, you can no longer just... Um, and numb it you have to cry because you can't ignore your emotions forever um I remember listening to a lady speak about the fact that um in your younger years yes it's very easy for you to like numb emotions and go after your dreams and forget everything else but when you turn older and you're in your 60s um naturally the trauma is going to resurface and you would be too frail then to actually process it so now imagine you're 60 and you're processing all the trauma that you should have in your younger years where your body was a lot healthier to do that. Um, and so, yeah, so that's my story. That is brilliant too, because also with the, the content part, where you're talking about um, reading those stories, because that, that was also my escape growing up, because I would understand that, okay, fine, um, that's the pattern, you know? And it's so painful when these kinds of pains make you lose people and it is not your intention at that time and I feel like that is uh that is my thing with women who have been through a lot of trauma it resurfaces when we meet such amazing people and it is a mess <laughs> it is a mess you know and you see what your therapist said about giving you time to cry it is not easy <laughs> It is not easy to cry and never mind crying, like just accepting the fact that I'm, I need therapy. Like this is bad. And I love what you said about the, the healing um, at the age of your 60s and stuff. I really did not think of it that way. And thank you for that. You just made me more intentional. I see that Morgan also raised her hand. So we're going to have Morgan. And then after that, Noemi and then Rhea. So I just wanted to go back and comment on the security versus insecurity aspect and relationships. Just looking, this has actually been really awesome because it's forcing me to reflect so much on, you know, the last couple of years of my life. And just to add in there that in a 10-year relationship, I didn't value myself and I wasn't secure in what I wanted in life and where I was going and what my values were. And I kept compromising and losing myself in that process. And you reach this tipping point where you actually are pushed to get yourself out of that space and find something better. And in that process of working on yourself and figuring out exactly what it is that you want in life, you will not compromise in any way, shape or form in the future. And I think it's such a, an empowering feeling to go through and 
in my journey of empowering myself and figuring out what I wanted, I have found someone who I'm now engaged to and going to marry who adds so much value to my life and uplifts me. And it's such a beautiful feeling to know and an experience because I don't have that weight of my previous relationship that was dragging me down. I now have someone who's on my level and contributing and adding value to my life and uplifting me and encouraging me. So just thinking about everyone who's in that space and just wanting to encourage you to just keep finding yourself and pushing to be better because there will be someone out there who's going to meet you on that level. So that's what I wanted to add in. Thank you so much. You just gave me hope. You're going to have no way me. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Morgan. Um, I, wanted, <laughs> I wanted to comment on, I think it was Kiwe who was talking about being a feminist and having such a powerful voice with regards to feminism and being in a relationship. And it's something I can definitely relate to. And I can relate to having, well, in my younger years, constantly feeling like I had to what's the word I had to um minimize my voice a little bit I'm 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 you know I'm like I'm a woman empowerment I'm you know feminist and I want to talk about feminism and I want to attend feminism luncheons and I'm, I'm that girl but when in the past when I would be in a relationship I would downplay that I would downplay my feminism because I don't want to offend the guy I'm with and when I look back now I feel so silly and um why do I feel why do I feel the need to downplay something I, I so strongly believe in just for the comfort of my partner? And why, that's number one. Number two, why am I with a man who feels like, why am I with a man who makes me feel like I have to downplay my feminism? And as I grow up, I'm now in a, you know, in a different relationship. I realize that like, I don't have to compromise that part of myself, you know. Uh, you can just leave the relationship and find somebody else. I mean, it's not easy, but it's, you can do that. And I think it also, it also back in the day, it also came a lot with wanting to be chosen, wanting to be accepted by your partner. So you don't play who you are. You don't play your beliefs. You don't play, you know, some of the things that you feel so strongly about. But as I grow up, I realize that, you know, you can be in a relationship where, even if the person doesn't necessarily agree with certain things that you say, they're respected and you don't feel the need to downplay that. And it's, it's the most beautiful for me. So, yeah. <laughs> I feel that um, also on a personal level, because um, you know, what? It's, it's so crazy because um, it's one thing to, to, to just keep quiet about it. Cause also with um, things like your, your feminism, it some people carry it so deep that it is a value, you know, because one thing I always say is that you know that I'm a feminist. So if you don't believe in feminism or you don't like feminists, don't even ask me out because it's not going anywhere. But back then, that wasn't the case. And I also had a conversation with this um, other guy, my friend, and he's also male. We always talk about conspiracy theories and all of that. And he said that, you know what, Mbali, I love you so much, but you and I can never be because I don't believe in your views. And I understood that. And I, I really just understood that. And there is always somebody out there who will understand. And even though they don't believe in those views, there is somebody who will understand and respect your own views as well. And then Ria, please add. Um, okay, I don't want to backtrack, but in terms of sacrificing in relationships, for me, it took it took me losing 
a child that I was like, this relationship is going to take me to the grave. It took me, it took me years to get over the pain of miscarrying and then finding out that, oh my gosh, you cannot have children in the future. Because I feel like if I, maybe if I didn't go out, if it goes back to the terms of if I didn't go out that day, maybe I wouldn't have been raped or if I didn't uh, wear this, maybe this wouldn't have happened and I would be a mother of a three-year-old or something, you know? And in a relationship, it, in the relationship, I saw certain red flags, but I ignored it because it's like, you love that person and you just want to be, okay, I need to, you think it's compromising, but it's not. It's actually you sacrificing yourself, you sacrificing your soul to something that is, not even going to benefit you in the future because i would get things like why why do you have that certain lipstick on why do you have that certain dress no change those jeans they too tight your ass is showing you know those certain things that you as a person even i'm just like now like i mean you're a stupid girl like girl that the love blinded you when they say love is blind it's actually it's not a myth it's actually true so for me it actually took me losing my daughter and for me to just be like okay you know what I need to get out of this relationship because when I was at the bedside losing our daughter he was not there gallivanting doing all these crazy things and I was just like am I really gonna gonna sacrifice myself for his happiness like if he's happy I'm not happy you understand so I just feel like we should we should start we should start by loving ourselves. And any red flag you see in a relationship, a minute a guy tries to tell you, babe, that lipstick doesn't suit you. And you feel like, girl, I'm rocking this lipstick. Then, sis, get out. Because it starts by the little things, like changing your earrings, your lipstick color. And then he's just going to start controlling you. And you end up losing yourself within the relationship and not enjoying being in the relationship. Um, I'm, well... <laughs> I'm so sorry about like all of this, you know, and um, given that I just also want to to move on to the mental health aspect of everything because um, because women are biologically uh, more emotional, I feel like it also just it pushes us to a mental limit. So in terms of mental health, I just want to understand how you are maneuvering it, you know, that that whole sp- space of mental health because a lot of people shy away from that you know and because we always expect it to be so strong I know that even though women are the ones who are usually found in therapy and usually found more than men in therapy I also know that there are a lot of women too who really are just not navigating their mental health and I think also that's part of why we are in so many broken relationships because we haven't navigated that mental health state so I just want um you ladies to touch base on that, whether it's um, a mental health issue that stems from work or it stems from your community or your trauma or maybe like postpartum, you know, anything. I just want to understand how everyone deals with their mental health state as a woman. So I'm going to start with Sandy. And then after that, we're going to have Sijay. Well, my mental health stems from um, being rejected as a child by my, I don't want to say my dad, because um, he wanted me, but his family said no. 
you're not you're just going to disapprove that you made her mom pregnant so it started there and then growing up i got into friendships people like to undermine friendships and that it can have such a bad uh, impact on your health because i remember i put my all in my friends i'm always there because i believe that you can have a brother you can have a sister out of a friend and i always put myself out there and it came to a realization during my pregnancy that okay i was always there for my friends from them being pregnant to me planning surprise baby showers to taking them out just to make them feel loved because i know you lose yourself during pregnancy but then when it happened to me there was nobody i was on my own and then i was like do i really want to stick with these people do i really want to remain friends with these people who took so much from me but then now i'm left on my own i remember i would count down and then i was happening and then i'm like okay maybe let me just let me just wait i'm 8 months now let me just wait until maybe i'm 9 months because i remember i did push it far for some people but then on the day i gave birth i was like nothing nobody nobody even the ones that i was there from day 1 i'm talking the ones that i was there with from high school like your childhood friends and everything nothing and then this year um i'm doing my post grad and then i started to feel okay some somehow i'm dealing with the rejection but then now i'm i'm having anxiety i'm so anxious about so many things and it 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 became better because i have a friend a new friend who is going through some mental issues and she's able to to calm me down and to explain i think because she's went through it or something and then for somebody who has always been strong it is something that's very new i've never been a person to push submission dates but then i found myself at some point saying that i can't do this anymore why did i why did i decide to go back to school why did i because i have a toddler at home and everything it became so much i was at a breaking point my body was giving up because now when your mind is tired your body gives up my body was giving up i couldn't sleep now you're sleeping at 5 a.m. because you've been doing your school work at 7 your baby is awake then you have to put your all to be with your baby when they are falling asleep you're supposed to catch up they you never have time to deal with whatever it is that you're going through and it hit me so hard when i had to submit the most important thing it's you i'm dealing with it now and i'm like wow now i understand you know when you do psychology like okay no i did psychology and stuff and you seeing it from far but then when it's happening to you now it becomes something totally different and i'm glad it's happening because it made me appreciate mental health more to like okay when a person is depressed when a person has anxiety or post traumatic distress or whatever it it is important that you are there for that person because i experienced it experience is the best teacher 
because if you didn't experience it, you, you're just going to be like, ah, why? And we know in black community, we like to say those are white things. And it is, it is killing the black society. That thing is killing us. And it's something that I have to teach my, my dad. It's something that I have to teach my mom all the time that, no, listen, this person is depressed. This person is, now I can pinpoint to this mental health, like, because I experienced it. Thank you so much, Sandy, for that, you know, and I think also the greatest thing about mental health is that when it's it's far there, you know, like far and somebody else is depressed or somebody else is anxious, somebody else like has your bipolars and stuff, when it's far, when it's not close to you, you understand, you know, and you can listen. When it gets here, <laughs> then it is a different story. And I see that Sejeng raised her hand and everyone else who raised their hands, I also would love you to touch on um, mental health right now within this pandemic because it is one thing to to be suffering with mental health and mental health that started prior to COVID and right now it is a different kind of mental health for a lot of people so I just want to also um, allow the women who raise their hands to tap into that space too so we're going to take Noemi and then Sejeng. Okay um, yeah just what Sandisme was saying about friendship being so important and how we tend to downplay it. I think society does downplay like the importance of friendships. Um, just like you, Sandy Sue, I cherish my friendships. Those are like some of the most important relationships in my life. And I'm super grateful to have friends that I started like my high school career or even varsity career with that I'm still friends with today. And those are some of my best relationships. Um, mental health. So I work in corporate law and because of how demanding my job and my career is, I don't always have time to, I don't, I, I have the, I don't know if it's a luxury. I have the luxury of hiding my feelings and taking it away, you know, like putting it away because I'm too busy. I'm too busy with work. I'm too busy with my studies, with my company. I don't have, I, I can put it away and see it at a later stage. But that isn't, I think as most of you would know, that isn't always a healthy uh, coping mechanism because on a regular day when you're not on a public holiday, for instance, when you're not working, you're sitting on your own watching TV, that's when it comes tumbling down. Now you're thinking about what happened, you know, a few months ago, and now you have no choice but to deal with that. And um, quite recently, I've, I've, I do have, what do you call them? depressive episodes, I think that's what you uh, they refer to, where things that I haven't dealt with in years, even months are, you know, coming back and I find myself having to deal with them, but I don't know how to deal with them. And I'm actually currently contemplating seeing, talking to someone like a therapist, but it is, I'm, I know how to ignore it, but I'm finding out that when eventually I can't ignore it anymore because I'm not as busy when it comes to mind and I have to deal with it. It's the pain. It's, it's too much. It's crazy. And you can't, you can't always explain it to your family. You can't explain to your mom why, why I'm snapping at you today. It has to do with what you did three years ago. Like, why, why aren't you over that? She, you know, she would ask me, but I'm not over it because we didn't deal with it. I didn't deal with it then. We didn't talk about it. So now it's coming back on this day, specific day. Like, I'm just going to snap at you and I'm angry at you, but she's not understanding. And um, so I've been thinking about actually seeing somebody 
with regards to this, I have my days where I'm like, okay, I really have to see someone. And I have other days where I'm like, what, where is this going to take me? I'm going to go there. I'm going to cry. And then what? What's going to happen? So it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a gamble. And then um, you asked to also touch on mental health during COVID times. I think, okay, I've, I've been sort of like you just in the sense that my, the effects of COVID hasn't been so devastating as it's been for most people. I know a lot of, for a lot of people, it's been just a, a terrible experience with losing your loved ones, with losing your job, you know, jobs and livelihood. And my heart just goes out to, you know, a very large part of like the world who has been greatly affected by this. But I think for me, it's just anxiety. Um, just for my career and my job. That's why, that's how I've been affected by COVID. I'm constantly thinking, oh, you know, part of my French, but oh crap, what if, you know, the deals aren't coming as much anymore? Cause I'm in convincing, um, what if people aren't buying houses anymore? Or what if people aren't, you know, purchasing? What's gonna happen if, cause we did have a retrench, um, retrenchment kind of period last year. And I keep thinking, okay, what if it happens again this year? And what this this period, this pandemic, what it's taught me is that number one, life is very short. Uh, you know, people who were okay just like last year are now, you know, not okay this year. It's also taught me that whatever security you think you have might be taken away from you like this. And that is such a scary thing to think about. Like I'm constantly thinking about it and how. I'm still not in the clear, like nobody knows what's going to happen next week. You know, people, you know, um, yes, people are getting vaccinated. Thank God for that. But not everyone is having the, not everyone is reacting to that, um, in a, in a, you know, very well. So it's, it's just thinking about what's going to happen. Uh, you know, one of my friends got vaccinated and they were fine. Uh, they got COVID after getting vaccinated and they were able to, uh, to recover from it quicker. But another, someone else I know got vaccinated reacted really terribly and passed away. So it's just the anxiety of, oh my gosh, what, what's happening? Does anyone have like the true answers as to, you know, what the vaccine means for us? So it's just the anxiety for me and that plays with your mental health as well, constantly feeling anxious and not knowing what tomorrow will bring. So, yeah. I heard you perfectly. And what concerns me is that um, the the whole case of, being a workaholic um, in in the space of your mental health it is very dangerous because right now this week I took off from work and I was drowning because for the first time work wasn't busy. Always we constantly on the move. So now we like back in the office and I have more time to think. I went down and I'm starting with therapy soon. So I would, I would suggest that you do that too because it it will never stop the moment where the workload becomes less the mental health will rise again so i say um from me to you <laughs> and as a person living with mental health issues i just suggest that you do and you don't have to go on meds or anything you can just go in for therapy and it will make a huge difference like you said um when you are snapping at um, your mom. It's a three year ago thing, you know, cause with me, I realized that it is really affecting my relationships and I've been living in isolation for so long. It becomes a thing of drinking too much or shopping too much. So these were patterns that I had developed like um, a long time ago with therapy and then I stopped therapy. 
And now I found myself doing the same thing again. So I'm shopping unnecessarily and I will buy a skirt this like today when I wear it this week and then I wear it next week. It doesn't feel the same way. So I'm like, I need another skirt. <laughs> so now it becomes a, a, a crash and bomb thing and my budget is going out of place. And it's just a lot of things because now I have, I won't say more time on my hands, but I'm not as busy. But it's very dangerous to, to substitute those mental health pains with work. Because um, like level, was it level Hang who said that um, when you're in your 60s now, and then it's a thing of everything piling up. And then imagine a beautiful lady like you dying from heartache, please. <laughs> it is not okay. And I see that um, Annalise raised her hand. Um, Annalise. Yeah, um, so just as I'm listening to, to everyone speak about, uh, uh, about mental health, I think it was um, Sandy. Um, you you spoke about how you're trying to you know juggle doing your post grad and doing you know everything else in your in your life. Um, I had the same same problem. So I think for me it was working full time, trying to do my post grad full time. I don't know who gave me the idea that I'd manage, but I think years and years of being an overachiever, working so hard in high school, working hard in varsity, getting the distinctions and everything coming in, um, simply because I was just, you know, again, using school, using um, work as a way to, to stay away from thinking about the, the, the issues, stay away from dealing with the trauma, stay away from actually having to face my, my demons, if I can call them. Uh, but all of that piled up to the point where I started working and I figured, you know what, I can do this. I can do a full-time job. I can study full-time. I'll manage. I've always been, you know, up there. I can do this. I've got it. And throw a pandemic into that mix and life happened because now I'm having to deal with there's a pandemic happening. Um, and obviously in terms of the way COVID hit us, it, it, it's, you know, if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it took away um, some of the most important needs right at the, the, the base of, of, of the hierarchy. And we lost that security. There's no surety in terms of what is happening, what's going to happen next. Um, are we going to lose loved ones? Are we going to be able to, you know, get food? We had that you know, very harsh lockdown right at the beginning. So everything was unsettled. And now trying to deal with that emotionally, mentally, trying to balance myself and I'm trying to juggle school and I'm trying to juggle work, everything came crashing down. And I remember last year, I, I, I had to take time off of work because I just, I couldn't anymore. I was like a zombie walking to work, trying to get work done, trying to, you know, get school work done. I was so unhappy. I was just falling apart. And I got to a point where I felt like, I cannot do this anymore. I just want to sleep, you know, and I just, I, I, I would sit and not do my work. I had no motivation to do my work. I had no motivation to do anything. And I think um, I even reached a point where I decided, you know what, deregister. And I think that was one of the most, um, you know, fruitful things I've ever done for myself because I was speaking to my supervisor and I'm speaking to family, I'm speaking to friends. And my supervisor said to me, why are you in a rush? What is it that that's, you know, rushing you so much that you don't just deregister some of your modules, figure yourself out, fix yourself up, and then come back and do it. Because whether you get your honors degree this year, or you get it next year, or you get it in five years, you are still going to be proud of yourself. And you are still going to, um, you know, be happy to, to, to get your honors degree. And just having someone say that to me made me realize I was trying to, to 
you know, get everything in such a short space of time. I want to be the girl who's working. I want to be the girl who's got her honors degree. You know, I want to be the it girl. I want everyone to say, oh my goodness, congratulations, you're doing so well. But I wasn't thinking about myself. It, it was such a, I needed to have a conversation with myself and say to myself, yes, it's important for you to get that um, degree. Yes, it's important for you to do well in your job, but you've got to, you know, balance yourself. You've got to decide which one has to come now and which one has to come later. And I think that was very, very helpful for me. So that point of realization for me, it took, you know, not submitting a big assignment and unfortunately having to fail the module, but then being able to deregister some stuff. And I think that was one of the best things I've ever done for myself. Came into this year, clear mind, happier, trying to figure things out as well, balanced in terms of what's happening in my life. And I've been able to, you know, do my, my, my schoolwork part-time and still be able to work. And I tell you, it is the best thing you'll ever do for yourself. Yes, I still have moments where it's like, oh, meet a deadline, meet a deadline. But I'm managing, I'm managing the work, I'm managing the workload. Yes, I might have a day where I feel like, okay, everything's too much, but I know I've got the time to get it done. Um, so I think that's one of the things that was really, really significant for me. And in terms of work, ladies, someone said, I think it was one of my colleagues, she said something so significant to me. When I was going through something very difficult and I was, you know, trying to get the work done and I was going to work even when I was sick and I was pushing the work, trying to, you know, stay on top of my game. She said to me, why? Why are you forcing yourself so much? Because you are breaking your back for a company that can replace you in a week. If anything happens to you and you, you lose your job and you cannot be there, Within a week's time, someone will be there. Someone's going to pick up. Everything moves as normal. So she taught me something very important. If you feel you need the day, take the day. Because we tend to think, oh, my goodness, I cannot take the day because there's deadlines to be made. This needs to happen. There are things that can actually wait. And there are things that, you know, need to come before um, work. And that's you. Because if you're sick, if you can't do the job, if you can't do anything, that company is going to replace you. They will be like, okay, fine. You can't do this, you're out, someone else is in, the job keeps going. So I think putting yourself first as well in that and understanding that sometimes you do need the day just to fix yourself up as well is such an important thing. That is very true. And I think also the reason women um, bend over backwards for these um, kind of things, like why we never take breaks from work is that we are afraid of um, how society is structured first of all like we're trying to build names for ourselves and because we're at the bottom of the hierarchy I'm um, along with children it is a very difficult thing to actually just get a job let's just start there and we know that there's like things like um unequal payments you know and unequal revenues I mean unequal salaries for men and women and all of that so it is a thing of always trying to to prove yourself it's like doing double the work you know First of all, it was tough for me to get here in the first place. So now to, to sustain that, it is so frightening to take a break. You sit there sometimes like with the deregistration as well. I have a similar experience as well. I left school and I'm still taking a break. <laughs> but it has been the greatest decision ever. You know, it was very depressive at first because I'm overachieving again, you know. So it is very tough to make those decisions. Like just a day off. <laughs> It's very tough to take. And um, I feel like people don't understand how tough it is on women. It's like how you walk, you're walking as a zombie to work. You know personally that I'm not okay. 
you know that today is just not my day. Like, I'm not doing this. You can feel yourself going down on a daily basis, but we still find ourselves going back to that space. And I feel like those are also the changes that we need to start seeing in society as well, where women don't have to think twice about taking a break and also not to be made feel bad um, about it. And I see Pure's hand is up. Pure. So um, I'm just going to be brief. So mental health in the pandemic for me, it triggered my anxiety again. So you, I'm already an anxious person, and now we are put in we, we are put into a situation where we are living in uncertainty. Uh, you walk outside you see people wearing masks. That alone makes me very anxious because you don't know who's hiding behind that mask. You know, the person could have had a terrible day. Now the masks are also contributing to covering up because we don't see people's faces anymore. And I'm asking myself, okay, really, um, what's happening? Because the masks are making me very anxious. The world is very somber. You know, you don't see people's beautiful smiles. We don't see people dolled up anymore because the masks are covering us up. And that for me is making me very anxious, like, oh my goodness, it's, it's the pandemic, I already have this anxiety, it's the uncertainty, and how do you navigate this, do you get what I mean? So for me, it's been very difficult, not really difficult per se, but to recharge from everything that's happening, to take a step back and to just take everything in and allow myself to breathe, like, you know, I... I I just allow myself to breathe and take it as it comes. I've gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, um, this is the new normal. Um, this is what this is what we're facing right now. There's nothing I can do. Like I cannot be triggered. Like I I can't allow anxiety to 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 drive me. But what I can do is take small steps to recharge. When I feel overwhelmed, I take a step back and I I go back. You know, I take a step back, I pull away, and then I come back again. You know, I'm, I'm always doing that, taking a step back, stopping everything, and then coming back more, you know, recharged so that I can reposition myself to take on whatever is happening, like, you know, whatever challenge is, is that, that I'm faced with. But it's not easy. Like, it really is not easy. And wearing these masks and hearing the news every day does not make it easier. So this uncertainty is really, um, it, it, it just makes you think a lot as well, you know, because you also reflect, you sit, oh my goodness, in two years time, where am I going to be? What's going to happen? Are we going to be living like this? You know, you ask yourself a lot of questions. I was speaking to somebody who was like, who's, who's battling to find employment and they're crying out to me, what's going to happen to me in two years time? I'm like, no, we're going to take this as it comes. You're just going to take a step back. You're going to recharge uh, and then, when you come back, you, you'll reposition yourself so that you can start uh, tackling whatever challenge that you're facing. But it's, it's really not easy. And these masks for me personally, don't make it easier. I wish sometimes we could just see these beautiful faces, all these smiles, maybe, you know, cause sometimes when you walk out the door and you see somebody smile at you, that for me could make my day at times. So that's just me. Thank you, Pure. And we're gonna have Ria. And then after that, ladies, I know that um, various people have different perceptions on National Women's Day. So um, a lot of women also say that um, they don't care about it anymore because they haven't seen any difference or they feel like it's slow paced, while some other women still commemorate National Women's Day. So I'm going to take maybe three ladies who are going to tell me whether or not they believe it still has significance. And um, if you want to add on to anything, 
then you can do that too. So Ria, you raised your hand. And then after that, I'm on the basis of um, National um, Women's Day. I'm going to take Lebo Hang. Do you think that it still has significance for you? Okay, um, to go back to what uh, Pira was saying in terms of anxiety and depression, I've suffered from depression since I was in grade eight. So for me, when this pandemic hit, it heightened my depression to a whole nother level. Because firstly, I was retrenched. And then it's like, it's so hard to get a job with a degree. So imagine not getting a job without a degree because I couldn't finish school because of certain financial struggles that I went through. So I was like, this is going to be so difficult. And it just, it just heightened my depression. And I used to be a cutter. So at times I would sit in the bathtub and just think, why can't I just end my life? So to me, it just heightened my depression to that level of just take your life because it seems like you're not worth anything. You, you understand? But in terms of that, I just felt like, my survivors, I call them my survivors. They're the ones that uplifted me and just told me that everything will work out. And I started, I started having like a mini prayer room that I started doing. And I just go in there when I just want to and be within my spirits and my ancestors and God and just speak to them and just reflect on the good things that have happened in my life and how far I've come in terms of my growth. And I didn't want, because my doctor wanted me to prescribe me anxiety pills and all that. And I just wanted to be like, I wanted to heal within myself and not be dependent on any type of medication for me to feel better. So yeah, in terms of me, uh, the pandemic just hit hard. It, it really messed us up because you just have to fend for your family. You want to be that person. You you also want to see yourself out driving an AMG and one day, you know? So I just feel like for me, it was like looking at your looking at my peers, I'm like, I'm so behind. But then I, I, I went back and, and think to myself, it's not a race, it's a marathon. And you have to run your own race, your own case. Don't go with what people are doing. Just be you. And those are also like um like those pressures, you know. Um those pressures are so insane because also with social media, <laughs> I took a break for those same reasons, you know. And um it is very easy to find yourself feeling behind, you know, you feel so behind. But I can assure you that one thing that is common with this pandemic, we are all behind right now. <laughs> So I, I hope that you find comfort in knowing that in some way or another with this pandemic, we are behind. Whether it's emotionally, like in terms of losing family members, we're emotionally behind. Um, we are financially behind. Some people are academically behind. Spiritually, we're behind. I mean, like we're missing church. And I mean, like with social distancing in church, it's a problem, you know. Socially, we're behind. So all of us, in essence, we are in one aspect or another behind. So with comparisons, they then don't make sense because maybe you behind spiritually and you're comparing yourself to somebody who is okay in spirit, but behind emotionally. So both of you are both like both of you are behind, but do you get what I mean? So um, also don't forget that one thing about a pandemic, it sets everyone back, all of us in one way or another. Naomi? Noemi. <laughs> Sorry. 
Hey, Mbali, I think you said Lebohang would go, Lebohang, sorry, would go first with regards to the International Women's Day, and then I'm happy to go after her. All right, Lebo. Okay, um, thank you. Um, I think for me, I'm like a huge believer in journaling because it allows you to reflect um, and to, you know, map out and see that, okay, I could do this, I could do that. And I think days like Women's Day reminds us of how powerful our unity is as women. Um, I think a lot of the times we are always told that we're not united. Like, I don't think <laughs> that's necessarily as true as it was maybe years ago, or, you know, I think we've done pretty well trying to, you know, get into relationships with each other and building things together. Um, so days like that do really um, remind us of our power when we do stand united. So I think it's still very important to remember. Thank you so much, Lohang, and they're gonna have Noemi. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, also to also just touch a bit on what Lebohang just said, women are definitely united. Um, I hate the notion that women are against each other. My best relationships, friendships are with women. I'm surrounded by women when my mentors are women. Granted, yes, there could be, you know, you have your beefs here and there, but to say that women are not united and we're not for each other is complete bull, and I completely don't agree. But yeah, um, with regards to your question, whether uh, the National Women's Day is so relevant, I think we've come a long way, but we also still have a long way to go. When I say we've come a long way, because there are the reason why we celebrate this, um, not just national, but even international women's days, because there was a time when as women, we couldn't vote, we couldn't own property, we couldn't, you know, dress however we wanted uh, dress. There are still countries where women are not allowed to drive and to make their own decisions. So because all of because me, you know, being a, being able to have a degree, have a job is because of the women, you know, who fought for me to do this. And that's why we celebrate National Women's Day, International Women's Day. That's why we have these days to commemorate those women, to commemorate and to remember what they fought for. So I think in that aspect, we have come, we have come you know, a long way in that um, sense, but we also still have a long way to go. I think there is space, there is room for, um, for both, there's room for admitting that we've come, you know, there's been a lot of change and there's also room for criticism. Like, listen, we still have a long way to go. And so I think it's still very much relevant. I think the women who fought for us to vote, for us to be here and for us to, you know, uh, being able to do the things that we do now that we weren't allowed to do back in the day, I think they deserve to be commemorated and celebrated. So in that sense, Women's Day is still very relevant. But during the Women's Day, we should also make space for the fact that there, there is still a fight. There is still a long way to go. We still have, you know, this gender-based violence. There is being this inequality just in society, in the workplace. So as we commemorate and remember, um, as we commemorate and remember Women's Day and as we celebrate the women who fought for us, who fought, you know, for our rights and equality, let's also make space to talk about the changes that still need to be implemented. So I just, I think, yeah, it is relevant and there is space for both um, thoughts to exist at the same time. Thank you so much, um, Noemi. And it's also important to note that like you said, everything is a process. And I also don't believe in that narrative or that notion that women hate each other because in my life, 
it is women who show up first and who show up the most, you know? And wherever, like, two or more are gathered, there's going to be conflict because you're not communicating with yourself. So it's not different um, when women fight um, over certain issues or we have arguments. It is also part of the process, you know? And then um, we're going to try and wrap it up right now. I would love every woman to to basically just give out a short piece of advice to to other women out there and um, just anything that is from your heart. And then we're going to head out so that you all can go and make plans for tomorrow because I know it's a long weekend and all of us are busy. <laughs> so we're going to have Annalise first. Okay. Um, I think firstly, it was such a fruitful conversation um thank you to to everyone for sharing your stories and i think you've got such powerful stories it's beautiful um to see how you are becoming um and unlearning and you know finding yourself as as women in in the world um i think if anything one of my my favorite uh, favorite quotes is by Sylvia Platt, and she says something about how you know i can never read all of the books i want to read and i can never um you know, who travel to all of the places I want to travel to. I can never be all of the people that I that I want to and do all of the things I want to to do, get all the skills that I want to do. But what it is is that at the end of the day, I can leave as live as honestly as I want to. I can leave a mark on the world when I leave this world. And I can do every single thing that that, that makes me happy. So if anything, I think go out there, live as boldly as you would like to live. Take on all of the the dreams that you want to take on. Take on all of the skills that you want to take on. Read as many books as you can in the time that you you have. And upskill yourself in any other way. I think um, do as much as as, um, you can while you still can do it. And I think if anything, you'll, you'll become the best version of yourself. Thank you so much, Annalise. We're now going to have Sijing. <laughs> Hi, guys. I, I think Vodacom um, just has jealousy over how fire this podcast is for me. But anyway, since we're here, um, just to sum up everything I wanted to say throughout the podcast, um, I think for me personally, this advice works for me and I hope it works for others. And it's that you need to love your own company. You need to love being by yourself, understanding who you are, understanding what you like, what you don't want, so that when you get out and you interact with people, you are able to to understand, okay, this I cannot tolerate. This is what I want. And even if people call you names and say you're petty or you're being rude or anything of that sort, just know that you are doing what makes you happy. You are doing things for you. And that's the most important part. Um, So yeah, thank you for having me on this podcast. Um, And I hope to, to be on more in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sijay. We're now going to have Piwe and then Lebohang and then Noemi. Oh, thank you so much for this lovely platform. It was very fruitful. I just want to say be fearless, be courageous, take up spaces. Don't be afraid to be who you are. Uh, you are. You're amazing. 
just don't be afraid. Fear is not an option. Take up spaces. And whenever you can, send down the ladder so other women can get on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lohang. Okay, I just have three points. Um, the first is that your emotions and your dreams are equally important. So take care of both. Um, secondly, is challenge what the future holds. And thirdly is you belong. And your truest tribe will always, always um, remind you of that. Thank you so much, Lebo. Noemi? Um, yeah, firstly, thank you so much, Mbali and Peter, for this amazing platform. Um, sharing your experiences with other women always shows, like, it makes you feel seen. I feel seen because I realize we share different, uh, same experiences, and I love that. And um, one thing, so one thing I always tell, so I run a mentorship uh, uh, program as well, and one thing I always tell my mentees is, to connect with other people, connect with other women. I don't think that life in general is meant to be lived in isolation. We need each other. And it's always my, my aim to create a platform where women can come together, like the platform you just created now, and talk to each other. And you, don't, you never know what can grow out of it. You know, some of my relationships with other, with other women has created working work opportunities, has created traveling opportunities, like so many opportunities come from connecting with other women. So I encourage you guys to connect with, you know, everyone you've met here today. You don't know what that relationship could birth. And so, yeah, thanks again, Bali. Thank you so much, ladies. And um, on my side, I feel like, yeah, um, women, we always struggle with like, the emotional side of things and just like forgiving ourselves. So um, apart from everything and um, our greatness, uh, my message is just simply like, it's okay. <laughs> like, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Um, <laughs> like, that's it. It's okay. Bali, just, so, um, just in terms of, because uh, I was hoping this was going to probably happen earlier, because um, I know each person has either their own platforms or they have certain things that they do. I know Spi wears a blog um, and also uh, Naomi also has her own uh, platform as well. Um, Annalise also does her own thing. Uh, Lebo Hang also does her own thing. Because uh, I also wanted to also kind of have everyone to plug what they do um, and also kind of emphasize and so let, get more information about that and people can also show support and you know support them in whatever activities they're doing. Uh, so yeah, now if everyone can at least get the opportunity to at least um, get that. But beyond that, I'll also ask everyone to kind of share links and stuff and I can share that post-editing. So yeah. All right. So um, you can actually share them now. Just tell us about your blogs and everything, um, what you're doing on social media. And then please um, send those to Peter as well so that um, we can share them amongst you so that we can follow each other and just keep in touch. You know, like maybe I need Noemi's platform for a certain thing or I need your help for something. Then maybe another lady needs this, you know, just um, all of that together. So um, in no particular order. So um, bloggers, who are bloggers? Raise your hands. I'll start with Piwe. <laughs> 
Okay, so in short, so I have an organization called Botlale Hub Africa. I amplify the voices of women and children. My theme uh, focuses on women leadership and female entrepreneurship. So not only do I amplify these voices through my blog, I also do interviews, dialogues, um, uh, filmmaking and all of that. So um, how you can reach me is on my blog, um, it's I'll type it I'll, I'll send it to Peter and yeah we'll connect there I do quite a lot so yeah because I also have a partnership with an organization in Ghana um, I write across Africa so most of my network is on the African continent so I'll share my link and we'll connect from there thank you thank you so much thanks Piwe and Noemi Okay, so I own Four Women in Law. It's actually a company. Um, the so it, it focuses on. I think I mentioned this earlier. It's it's a, a network of women in law, from being a student to being a practicing attorney. I mentor women in law, and I connect. Uh, you know whether you're a woman in law or not, but I connect women to lawyers and attorneys. If you need pro bono work, if you need help with drafting a will, anything like that, I have a huge network of you know, lawyers, attorneys, and advocates that I'm able to connect you with. I'm also currently running a pad drive uh, for Women's Month where I'm collecting pads. So if you want to donate or if you know anybody, I'm happy to share the artwork just for you to circulate that around. And um, yeah, I'm running a mentorship program currently with about 155 mentees that I'm mentoring with the help of other um, uh, legal practitioners, lawyers, advocates, and so on and that has been my greatest I think achievement since I started this uh, platform and yeah it's my little baby that I'm super proud of I'm going to share so <laughs> thank you so much ladies don't forget to share information and then I'm going to um, Annalise I know that you have something to do with coding and that is very rare to find like <laughs> black women <laughs> coding so just take yeah. us through that I'm so psyched I know um, you're coding so, yeah so I am currently working so in my my teaching um as well I'm teaching coding and programming something I never studied in school something I you know learned along the way um so I don't have a social media platform set up yet but that's in the works and I'm very excited about it because it is something that I want to to start sharing just um obviously to empower other teachers out there and to find a platform where other teachers can also come in and learn even people who are not necessarily teachers that can help us get it out there so as soon as that's up and running um I will definitely connect with everyone um, once it's up and running then I'll share it with you but it's it's very exciting because we're going to try and do it with public schools as well as work with um, some private schools so obviously get some skills from them because they've got the resources and the skills and we're going to try and make sure that it works with um, public schools as well thank you so much and Lebo are you enjoying your career? Hmm? <laughs> am I enjoying my career? <laughs> 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 I love it. I actually enjoy being a professional model more than auditing, but yeah, auditing stretches me and I know it's important, but yes, I definitely love both, but modeling more. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. And then, so Jane, you are the last one. <laughs> Would you like to add anything? Hi, guys. Hi, <laughs> Okay, so you know, I'm gonna go with many skills. Okay, 
So I used to teach, I'm a qualified teacher. Um, I used to teach economics and um, EMS to high school kids. And then I stopped in like what, 2018. So now I'm currently pursuing a qualification in data science. So I'm also in the coding part. <laughs> um, the coding mixed with um, yeah, economics, statistics, all of that. So yeah, um, that's where I am. And then I also model, but now because I'm at home, um, I moved to Limpopo like three months ago. But um, I'm a model and I was a model trainer at the Model Academy. So all of that information regarding the modeling agency is on my Instagram handle at Tijin underscore Mashwini. And we generally just help individuals um, just improve their uh, self-confidence and also their skills in the modeling industry. So yeah, that's, that's what I do. All right, thank you so much, ladies. Um, uh, Peter will send through um, all the details to everyone after uh, everyone has sent the details to him. Um, with uh, me, I, I am working now at a broker firm and we do like insurance and medical products and stuff like that. And I'm an MC, but I can't do the work because of COVID. <laughs> so, <laughs> I really miss that. You know, like I love my job, but I miss stage. <laughs> but yeah, I also blog from time to time and I also um, do a lot of non-profit organization work which i haven't done in a very long time because COVID. so basically guys <laughs> yeah but anyway um so, yeah. bags, you know yeah and we'll come back again we'll, we'll fix everything and thank you so much for making the time and i hope that it's not the last time um we come together and actually have these conversations you know because there's still a lot to cover and we could sit here the whole day but i still want you ladies to enjoy this women's month and actually enjoy a long weekend but thank you so much for availing yourselves it really doesn't go unnoticed and imagine this platform or this influence it's going to go on for a very long time and thank you so much uh, for your time can also just add just, just before everyone leaves um i just from from my side i just want to thank everyone for joining um i, I know this we initially planned to have three episodes the first one was probably going to be a women's day but i thought uh for the sake of the amount of people we're going to have on the podcast uh, to try have different episodes each week of the month. Um, and I mean, the number of people were initially was supposed to be 20 people in one episode, but we have kind of pushed other people to uh, the other week. Um, and, you know, you'd, you'd actually realize there's a diversity of women from even at news reporters who are going to join in um, and so forth. But uh, I think the important part was also kind of to hear you guys' stories and more importantly as well, to kind of hear what you guys do in terms of your life, your professions, how you manage mental health, um, your experiences in terms of womanhood and so forth. And the goal is always just to spotlight. Um, sometimes you always think that, you know, we always have to look at the Michelle Obama, the Winnie, Winnie examples, Winnie Mandela. And, you know, you look at the high level profile of a woman, but sometimes you also kind of look at the stories of someone who's a regular woman who has a normal life or who has regular challenges that they deal with and kind of spotlighting that and you kind of realize that 
um, such experiences are common and you can also relate. And I think spotlighting that is also a beautiful thing. And I think that was kind of the motivation behind um, having such discussions and seeing that each person has different backgrounds and um, just sharing that amongst each other is a beautiful thing. And I really appreciate, uh, even though I'm not a woman, uh, to hear you guys' stories and to amplify this for other women to also hear what you guys um, uh, have experienced, what you do, and the kind of initiatives that you're doing out there. And I really appreciate it. I wished some of the other ladies who had left earlier and some of those who couldn't join due to network issues were also able to kind of explain more what they do. And hopefully that will still be done and I'll probably get more information so I can just share that once I start editing. Uh, but yeah, I'll send you all the information once that's ready. Uh, but from my side and Bali's side as well, um, I really appreciate all of you guys joining and hopefully there's more discussions that will happen, which it will happen. But uh, from your side, I really appreciate it. And I thank everyone for joining and um, do have a pleasant weekend. I don't know if Mbali wants to say anything else, but uh, from my side, uh, that's about it. I just want to say thank you so much because, oh, wow, <laughs> we have a long way to go. So thank you so much. I just really hope it's not the last time. And uh, you guys are powerful. You ladies are powerful. And I draw so much strength from all that you do and all that you are. And I love your stories so much. And Peter knows that I love stories and I love, I love, you know, just understanding what people are going through. And that will forever be a gift to not only me, but the entire society. So thank you so much, ladies. Have a good day and happy Women's Day in advance. I hope you have a good one and you're appreciated. And I hope your happy Women's Day wishes come with nice flowers and gifts. Please. So I really just hope, <laughs> I really hope you get flowers and you are just um, appreciated on a daily basis. And thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. Have a good day, ladies. Thank you so much. <laughs>